The nearest town lay in the direction of the forest, happily enough. The cart clattered along the broken-down road, winding through the trees. I was tense. I sat at the front with my rifle, watching for any raiders, and I made the stranger take a spare gun, too. He tested it in his hand, and he seemed to know how to use it well enough. When I asked him if he could shoot, he said he could, he just didn't know how to hunt. It strikes me as a bit absurd, but whatever. At least he's somewhat useful. As we traveled through the forest, he took watch at the back of the cart. That's what we did for the next few days. But everything was quiet. No one attacked. The forest was rich in plant and wildlife. It was unnerving. And as we got closer to the settlement on my maps, I grew even more tense. If there was no one on the roads, then where were they? So when I spotted a farmhouse off the road, I was filled with relief. The stranger protested my detour, but I ignored him and knocked on the door. An old woman, suspicious and bent, opened the door. I explained my predicament with the stranger and asked if she could help. Fortunately for us, she had a map, but she had a condition for giving it to us. My granddaughter's been missing for seven days, she said. If you want this map, you'll have to find her first. When Persephone Woke, Episode 2, Farmhouse The stranger tried to convince me to just go to the settlement and ask for a map there instead. I said he was free to go ahead if he wanted to, but if there was a way to avoid the settlement, then of course I was going to take it. He stared at me. Are you serious? He said. His tone of voice annoyed me, so I didn't answer him. I whistled for Dakota and Lotke, the best trackers in the pack, and set off for the forest to find the granddaughter. Hey, wait just a second, let's talk it out! The stranger called. I picked up the pace. But a moment later, the stranger had caught up with me and insisted that if we go somewhere, we go together. For safety reasons, he said. It's not safe out here, he said. If he thinks that towns are any safer, then he's got some skewed perspective. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of amusing, if it wasn't also so frustrating. I had to remind him to put on his gas mask every morning on the way here. No common sense at all. The old woman from the farmhouse had given me one of her granddaughter's jackets for my dogs to track. Dakota and Lotke sniffed around in the forest for a while, and then they bounded off. I slung the jacket over my shoulder. The stranger followed, looking apprehensive but not decisive enough to choose to go another way. As long as he could keep up though, I didn't care. He followed me silently as Dakota and Lockie led us away from the farmhouse and deeper into the woods. The trail led us towards the town. Of course it did. I stopped at the tree line, simmering with frustration. The stranger eyed me warily but Dakota and Lockheed moved away, veering back into the forest with their noses to the dirt. Oh, come on, said the stranger, throwing his hands in the air. We're right here. We might as well go in. No. I told him and went to follow the dogs. He cursed me out, and a few minutes later, when I glanced back, he wasn't following me anymore. The sun's setting right now. The forest is getting dark. Not sure why he'd go into town in these kinds of conditions. Seriously, what was he thinking? whatever, who cares? It's not my business. He can prance off into the middle of a raider's trap while I do something useful to get that map. Dakota and Lockie led me to a campout, tents up, fire burning merrily in the night. There was
was a group of people around my age, some older, talking and laughing as the fire threw their shadows far into the trees. I knew the granddaughter was there somewhere, and I assumed she was probably being kept in one of the tents. So I took the dogs to find a hiding spot, and we settled down and waited. The fire burned down, and the raiders turned in for the night. They left one person on watch, but he nodded off fairly quickly. Good. I crept out of the bushes and gave Dakota the granddaughter's jacket to sniff again. She paced about the camp for a few minutes, diligently sniffing about, and then led me to one of the tents. I carefully opened the flap. There were two girls inside. I paused, unsure who was who, but I couldn't afford to make a mistake here. I was one person with two dogs and one gun. I couldn't take on a whole group of fighters right now. That hesitance cost me. The girl on the left yawned and turned over fearlessly, and mumbled, Hey, who is it? Then she woke up, really woke up, and got a good look at me crouching at the entrance of the tent like a fool. She opened her mouth to shout. I jammed my rifle against her chest and warned, If you call anyone, I'll kill you. She froze, swallowed, and nodded. What do you want? she asked. Which of you is Rosa? I said. I am, said a different voice, and I looked up to see the other girl sitting up and glaring at me. I thought it was odd at the time. She didn't look afraid at all, given the situation. But I ignored it. Probably shouldn't have. We need to get you out of here, I said in as flat and bored a tone as I can manage. Your grandmother's been worrying about you. My grandmother, she narrowed her eyes. Do you really want an explanation right now? I said impatiently. In case you haven't noticed, we're in the camp of raiders. Questions can wait. Raiders? She repeated dumbly. Wait, is that what you think it is? I paused. From that tone of voice, I'm guessing it's not, I said dryly. It's definitely not, she said, sounding annoyed. These are my friends, and we're going camping. This isn't... they're not... They're not raiders. What did my grandmother even tell you? I shrugged and put my rifle away. The girl on the left breathed a sigh of relief. She didn't say much, I admitted, feeling embarrassed. Still, what else am I supposed to assume when she tells me her responsible granddaughter has been missing for seven days and she suspects she might have been taken? Oh my god, the granddaughter groaned and put her head in her hands. I'm so sorry, Kel. Wait, what was that about seven days? Her friend banned us from the tent, telling us to go talk it out somewhere where my rifle would be far away from her, so we went and sat by the dying embers of the fire. My dogs padded over to lay down by my feet. The granddaughter coaxed the flames back to life, and then she looked at me. Did she really say seven days? The granddaughter asked, eventually. It's only been two since I left. I shrugged. One of them was lying, but I didn't particularly care who. It wasn't like it mattered to me. She was worried enough to send me after you. Right, the granddaughter said, sounding unsatisfied. And who are you, anyways? I explained to her briefly what had brought me to her grandmother's door. You did this for a map? She said in disbelief. Then, you snuck into what you thought was a raider's camp for a map? She didn't have to sound so incredulous about it. Besides, I told her, I figured I would run into some trouble on this road eventually anyways. 
It might as well be on my terms. You're crazy, she said, shaking her head. Then, I guess I'll go back with you tomorrow then, if you need that map so much. But first, I'm going back to sleep. Fair. I would have gone to sleep too, but I wanted to record this first, because the granddaughter told me something strange before she went back to bed. What exactly, I had asked her, had given her the stupid idea to go camping in the kind of prime ambush territory that raiders loved so much. It was practically begging for an attack. It was stupid and foolhardy. She laughed at me. You sound like my grandmother, she told me. She's always stuck in the past, but we haven't had raiders here for a long, long time. My great-grandmother's generation. That was when the town banded together and cleared out all of the raiders. And some of the raiders decided to settle down with us. That's why Grandma doesn't trust the townspeople. She thinks they'll turn back to their ways. But I remember, a few years back, I traveled in this area and there were plenty of raiders who troubled me then. In the morning, the granddaughter bid her friends goodbye, and she set off for the road. I was content to follow her. We reached the farmhouse by noon. The granddaughter knocked smartly on the door, and the grandmother immediately appeared, anger drawn in the severe lines of her brow. Rosa, she said, where have you been? You disappeared without a word. I've left without warning before, the granddaughter replied, folding her arms. Never this long, the grandmother said. What were you doing, playing out in the raiders' woods? How many times have I told you it's not safe? How many times have I told you they're not raiders? Pah! Once raiders, always raiders. Their bad blood will show soon enough. Those are my friends, the granddaughter snapped. And with all that, the bad blood between those two came to the surface. They started fighting in the vicious, angry, and hurt sort of way that people do when they love each other in ways that just can't seem to fit. The grandmother wanted her granddaughter to stay and be safe. The granddaughter wanted not to suffocate under the weight of it. It's my life, the granddaughter yelled. I can live it how I want to, and if that means leaving you alone in this miserable old house, then so be it. You're just like Isabella, the grandmother shouted. Stubborn, selfish, and you don't care a whit about anyone else's feelings at all. And soon you'll leave too, just like that brat, because that's what you want, isn't it? This is all just to hurt me. Izzy left because you kept trying to keep her here, the granddaughter screamed. Who cares about how you feel? This isn't about you. This is about the fact that she couldn't be happy living here anymore. And so she left, and she's gone, and we'll never see her again. And the grandmother went pale and the granddaughter looked horrified at the words she'd just said. Things would have gotten worse. I would have had to wait even longer to get the map. So I cut in before they could say anything and asked for my map, please. They both startled, like they'd forgotten I was there. And then the grandmother just told me, shortly, to wait outside. I whistled for the dogs. Minutes later, they came bounding out of the forest. I fed them and watered them, paying special attention to Dakota and Lotke. They'd done the most work, after all. Fifteen minutes passed like that. Then I got the cart ready to leave. Another five minutes. I sat down to wait, and another fifteen minutes passed before the granddaughter appeared. She looked subdued, angry, but also hurt. I'm sorry you had to see that, 
she said and handed me the map. Thanks for coming to find me. I shrugged. It doesn't bother me, I said. I unfolded the map. It was a little bit creased around the edges, but clean and crisp. It would last me a long time. The granddaughter watched me for a while. Then, where are you going? She asked, on impulse. My first reaction was not to tell her. Why do you want to know? I said. She raised her eyebrows. Prickly, aren't you? She remarked. It's nothing. I just wanted to know because... She trailed off. A familiar expression, one I'd seen many times, ghosted over her eyes. I put down the map inside. I'm headed to Cinder, I said. I don't know where I'll go after that. At that, her eyes sparked and her spine straightened. Cinder? She said. Really? If so, could you do me a favor? I am not in the habit of doing favors, but... I don't know. I guess she reminded me of someone long ago. If you ever see my sister, can you tell her that, that Grandma's sorry and I want to see her again? She said. She looked pained, even as she said it, pained to expose such a soft and vulnerable thing to a stranger she'd likely never see again. What does she look like? I said eventually. Like me, she replied. But last I saw her, she'd cut her hair short. I told her I'd pass the message along if I saw her sister. She smiled weakly at me. Thank you, I... She sighed deeply. <sighs> to tell you the truth, this is something I've needed to do for a long while. It's all my fault this happened. Something about her tone of voice irritated me. Did you tell her to go? I said pointedly. No, but... Did you manipulate her into going? What? No, I... Then don't say it's your fault. She made her own choices. She's the one who left. You're not the one responsible for her actions, so don't tout them around like they're somehow your great burden to bear. She blinked, and then she laughed, though it sounded a bit hysterical. You sounded just like her just now, she said, smiling. You're right. She'd probably kick me if she knew what I was thinking. Then there you go. Stop thinking like that. She laughed again. After a moment, she said, You know, you remind me of her. I think you two would really get along. We said goodbye after that. I remembered I still had that coat of hers, the one her grandmother had given me. She waved it away with a smile. Keep it, she said. A good luck charm to find Izzy. Hmm, sounds terrible. If she's like me, then we won't get along. It'd be like two unfamiliar cats trying to share a territory. We'd rub each other the wrong way. But I'm not one to turn down free clothes. My coat was starting to get worn out anyways, and it would have been a pain to make a new one by hand. I picked up the stranger again at the town. Where were you? He said, huffing. I expected you back ages ago. Here. He handed me two medical kits and some extra supplies. I looked them over, and to my surprise, they were fairly good quality. I hadn't expected him to have an eye for that sort of thing. I thanked him for it, tucked them away in the back of the cart, and asked what he wanted in return. He said he didn't want anything in return, just for me to get him to Cinder. And he'd gotten a map, by the way, so I could stop traipsing around the woods looking for Rosa now, he added. I rolled my eyes and told him to put his map with the one I'd just gotten. 
and before he could ask me any annoying questions, I whistled to the dogs and we set off. Well, we're finally on our way to Cinder. Hopefully we'll be there soon. But given how this journey has gone thus far, I wouldn't be surprised if I ran into more trouble. When Persephone Woke is written and produced by Jessica Tan and voiced by Ali Rose. Music was composed by the artists Disparition and Transient and used under the Creative Commons license. Visit disparition.info and noisyvagabond.wordpress.com to learn more about their work. If you enjoyed this project, please consider leaving a review or commenting at whenperseffonywoke.weebly.com. Thank you for listening.